I'm thankful for those leading our worship team. Appreciate uh, them doing that. I love the songs which we sing. Uh, just a reminder, we do have uh, nurseries back there for little ones. If they're being disruptive and you need to take them out, you can do that. We have two nurseries back there, one where you can drop your kids off, and the other, if you need to stay with your kids, you can stay back there with them. And so if you have a need for that, please take them out uh, for that. We have that available for you. You know, that, that song we just sang, I tell you, it's, um, it's really a needed song in our culture today with all the identity politics and this identity crisis that we're in. And, um, you know, you want to find out who you are, you need to go to God and find out who He says about you. Not this world, not this culture, not Hollywood, not popular opinion. Uh, you want to see what God has to say about you, who He made you to be. He's your Creator. We are who He says we are, okay? Uh, not who the world says we are. And so I think about that when we sing that song. And um, it's important that we know who we are. But it's important that we know who we are based upon who God says we are. And uh, we are His. And He made us. He's our Creator. And He made us, male and female, right? And He made us who we are. And as God's people, we are not forsaken. And we are chosen. We are children of God. He's our Father. So important to know who you are based upon who God says you are. All right, open your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 1. We're continuing our series on the study of, of Bible doctrine. Uh, today's thought is the Bible, inspiration and revelation of God. Uh, last week we talked about the existence of God. You know, it's only reasonable that if there is a God and there is a Creator that has made us, that He would desire to communicate with His creation and to tell us about Himself. And He has done that in the written Word of God, uh, what we call the Bible. Um, Hebrews 1, we want to start with this reading. You know, there's many today that they would maybe agree with a lot of what we said last week in that uh, they believe in God and what they mean as they believe in a God, a, su a supernatural being, a supernatural power. Uh, but then that's kind of as far as they go. They wouldn't believe that this is God's written Word. Uh, you know, it's not enough for you to believe in God. Uh, we closed last week's lesson with you need to believe God. And how do you believe God? You believe God by believing His Word. So it's not enough just to believe that there is a God. You must believe God and believe that this is his Word. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the Word in which we must believe. Uh, Hebrews 1, let's start with reading of verse 1 through 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. And we have that revelation in, in, in the Word of God has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of his, son, of his person, upheld all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning. As we come to the subject of your word, and I pray that you'd help us to have a clear understanding of that and how important it is 
to believe that this book we hold in our hands today is your revelation of yourself. It is you revealing yourself unto us. Help us to see that this morning. In Jesus' name, and amen. You know, the Bible is the only book which can boldly and authoritatively claim to be a revelation from God of God. And we mean that God reveals who He is by this book. The only thing we can know for sure 100% about who God is is who God has declared Himself to be by what He has said about Himself. You want to know what God says about Himself, who God says He is, then we must go to the Bible. It's not what men say about God. It's not what we say about God. It's not what people dream up in their mind and they think, well, well, I think God is. None of that carries authority. None of that declares who God is. If you want to know who God is, you go to the Word of God and see who God declares Himself to be. And God is no other than who He declares Himself to be. The Bible is God's revelation of God Himself. It is God revealing to us who He is. God spoke to men in different manners, and they have recorded that for us. He spoke through the prophets of old. Uh, He spoke uh, through the apostles, through inspiration, and we'll talk about that. And they were inspired by God's Spirit. Uh, 2 Peter 1.21 says this, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. I believe that. I believe that the Bible we have was inspired by men of God who were, uh, had God revealed unto them His Word, and they wrote that down for us. I believe 100% the Bible is God's Word. Now listen, all we can know about Jesus, all we can know about Jesus is who Jesus claims to be in His Word. When, when people come up with these thoughts and ideas about who Jesus is, and through dreams or through visions, and we see that it does not jive with the Word of God, listen, that is not God. I believe this is God's final revelation to us regarding who He is. In anybody that says anything otherwise, other than what is revealed through the Word of God, about God, is misinformed, mistaken, or ate something that night, and it didn't sit well, and they dreamed something crazy. I've done that. (laughs) And I don't put any trust in that, you know. We can have some crazy dreams. Now listen, um, we have to know that God has revealed to us who He is through the Word. In other words, if you're sitting there and you're saying, I want God to reveal Himself to me. And you're sitting there and you just keep saying that, I want God to reveal Himself to me. Listen, open up the Word of God. Because that's how He reveals Himself to us. He makes His existence known and declared through creation, and we talked about that some last week, but to reveal who He is and all of His nature and His attributes. Listen, we get that from His revealed Word, the Word of God. Now, first of all, let's talk about uh, inspiration of the Bible. Now, we don't have time to to do an in-depth study on on the Word of God, how it came to be, all of that. Uh, We we did some of that in, in Sunday school, the adult class, uh, many weeks, um, but I do recommend Jason Schultz's entire study 
uh, on that subject and you want to know more about that, I think he's got nearly 20 messages on that online. Uh, I can uh, refer you to that if you would like. Um, but let's talk about the inspiration of the Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, let's look at that verse. Uh, any passages in bold, those are the ones we uh, will turn to and look at together. 2 Timothy 3, 16, All Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be, perf- or may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I like reading that next verse with that because it tells us that everything we need as Christians to be a complete Christian in the sense a, a fully equipped Christian to do everything that God would want us to do in this life is found in the inspired Word of God. A lot of times people are looking for those extra biblical revelations so they can find out what God wants them to do and so they can be equipped to do something for God. When God very clearly tells us that the Bible, the inspired Word of God, is everything we need to thoroughly equip us to do all of God's work. And so what does God want me to do? Open up the Word of God and find out. Who is God? Open up the Word of God and find out. It is God's revelation of who He is and of what He expects from us. So God gave us the revelation of Himself and His will and what He'd have us to do by the direct operation of the Holy Spirit in the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures. I believe every writer of the Scriptures was divinely controlled by the Holy Spirit in writing what God wanted him to write. Now because the Spirit of God inspired the writers of Scripture, I believe he protected them from recording error or contradiction. Now what does this word inspiration mean? Well, the word inspiration there in 2 Timothy 3.16 literally means God breathe. God breathe. And sometimes we sing that song, Oh, breath of God, breathe on me. You know? I, I get that. You know? We just want God to be close. I mean, when you have... Uh, sometimes people don't take care of their breath. <laughs> and you recognize that when you're close to them, right? Ooh, their breath. You can only tell that when you're really close to somebody, Right? Let me tell you what, you, you want to be close to God? Breathe? You want His breath? Open up the Bible. Read it. I love this in Genesis creation. In Genesis 1-7. Here, here, this, is, this is beautiful. In Genesis 1-7 in creation, the Word of God says this. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. You get that? You see, you see the picture there? God has, has made Adam from the dust of the ground. He's there, a full body, but a lifeless body. A lifeless body. And God breathed, breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. The Word of God is inspired. It is the breath of God. And through the breath of God, the Word of God, God breathes 
into dead sinners life from above. You see, we were those dead people, dead in trespasses and in sins, and through the living Word of God, God breathes life into us. And understand, say, well, this, so this is just about a doctrinal statement, or this is about you know, well, inspiration of the Bible, what's the application of that? Well, listen, if you don't get anything else out of the application of this, understand this, that, that one, if you're there and you're lost and dead in sins, this book is what you need more than anything else. You need to be opening it up, asking God to show yourself to Him, praying over it, asking God to show you the truth, to reveal Jesus to you, to speak to you, and you keep reading, and you keep reading, and keep pleading, keep begging for God to show Himself to you through His Word. And if you're here and already saved and know Jesus, know this, that, that, you're sin, that, that, that your friends that are still in sins and without Jesus Christ, the one thing they need more than anything those that are dead and trespasses and sins, is the living Word of God. It is the breath of life. It's what God will use to bring about the work of regeneration. In 1 Peter it says, being born again, how? By what? The Word of God. Born again, brought to life. God brings life from His Word. This Word is living. And it declares it all throughout the Word of God. It is quick when the Bible says... When the Bible says His Word is quick, it's not, it doesn't mean fast, okay? I've got to share something with you. One, one, time, <laughs> uh, one time I was in the mall. It was, I live in West Virginia. And uh, me and Troy McGahan, some of you might remember him. He came up years ago and preached for us. But we were sitting there in the mall, sitting down, of course, waiting on a woman to go shopping. I won't say who that was with us because uh, she's present. Um, we were sitting there witnessing to this guy, oh, an old man. And we started talking to him about the Lord and stuff. And, and I don't know how it came about, but we said something about uh, the Word of God being quick and powerful. And he just jumps up. I mean, this guy was probably in his 80s. And he just jumps up real, real fast. And he jumps up and says, I know, the Word of God is quick. And he starts dashing around the mall. Choom, choom, choom. Like, that's not what it means. I mean, he, he thought because he was full of God's Word, he would be... Fast. Anyhow, that's not what the Word of God means when it says it is quick. It is alive. It's alive. Isn't it amazing how we experience that even as, as children of God? How within we, we feel weakened. If then we feel dead, we're not dead spiritually, but, but you get the idea. And it revives us, our souls, time and time again. It's alive. It's the one thing we've got to give people. Say, boy, this culture's in bad shape. Hey, man, this world's in bad shape. Amen. Hey, listen, it's dead out there. I mean, the, the deadness that surrounds us with the immorality that's in this world, in our culture, and the degradation of sin, and how trepid it is, and how immoral it is, and ungodly it is. But people are just acting out what they are. They're acting out their nature. They're dead in sins. And what they need to change that. They need the Word of God. We as a church, our first priority must be to proclaim, thus saith the Lord. People need the Word. Share it in tracts. Share it on social media. Some of you are on social media all the time. Share the Word of God. You don't understand how powerful that can be to share a Scripture verse. Share those things. Any way you can. A little tract somewhere. 
Share God's Word, because that's what He uses. The Word of God is quick and alive. I love how Hebrews says uh, that, that it, it divides asunder the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know when you're really getting into the Word of God and you're really reading the Bible, is whenever you suddenly realize it's reading you. <laughs> you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're in the Word of God and you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden it becomes a mirror and it starts dividing asunder your thoughts and intents of your heart and you realize you're not just reading the Bible anymore. Boy, the Word of God is reading you and it's showing things about yourself. Folks, it's alive. I mean, sometimes it can hurt, right? Like a sword, it can divide and make you think different. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, I've always thought like this. Uh Uh-oh, i got to change. Listen, don't reject that. Accept that. Receive that into your life. Boy, did I get off path. All right. Somebody come up here and show me where I'm at. <laughs> oh. Now, in inspiration of the Bible, God still used human instruments. Now, this is what an amazing thing to me. I mean, God works through men, yet it's still God's Word. It's perfect, as we mentioned earlier, but it actually, at the same time, takes upon itself the personality of the writers. I mean, it's very obvious. When you look at the, the Old Testament, when you look at the New Testament, different people wrote it, but it still sounds a little different, doesn't it? And just the way it's worded. I, I really like what uh, one man said um, by the name of Andy Nestle. I think it's how you say his last name. He gave an illustration of this. And he said this, he said, God didn't dictate the whole Bible the way an executive mechanically dictates letters to a secretary. The human author's personalities are like musical instruments. He said, if I play the same tune on a number of wind instruments, each will sound different even if I play the exact melody in the same key and even though it's all coming from the same breath, mine. If I play Amazing Grace on a tuba, a baritone, trombone, French horn, trumpet, oboe, clarinet, and flute, it is all Andy breathed or Andy produced. But it goes through the personality of the instrument. In one sense, that's how God produced the Bible through human authors. I just thought that was a really good illustration. And if that didn't make sense, I'll read it to you again some other time because I don't want to read that again. I thought it was really good. Now, there's many passages where when you look at the Bible where the authors themselves proclaim that what they are writing uh, in the Scriptures are the very words of God. And an example of that would be uh, Peter affirmed through the Holy Spirit uh, that David spoke uh, by the Spirit of God. The prophets of old very often proclaim, Thus says the Lord. The Bible itself proclaims to be the Word of God. It does not claim to be the words of men. It is authoritative because it is the Word of God. And it's so important that we understand this, that our final source of authority needs to be the Bible. Now we have, I don't have it before me, but we have that in our doctrinal statement. One of our first doctrinal statements that is that the Bible, one of the things it says, the Bible is to be our final source for all faith and practice. Now that's all good to be written down. And we need that, but it's a whole different thing to live by it. Whole different thing to live by it when our, our traditions and our, our thoughts and our ideas trump the Word of God. Well, I know the Bible says that and we have that, but 
but then we, we exalt our traditions above the Word of God itself. We, have no, we hold others to our opinions, our traditions, and yet we don't have a Scripture to back that up. We're not living by the Word of God. So it's very important that we not only say it and state it, but that we live by it. It's, important just to, it's important to believe that this is the Bible, but it's more important to do what it says. It's very important to believe in the inspiration and revelation of God through the Word of God that this is the Bible. But if you don't listen to it and obey it, what good does it do? Amen, preacher. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Okay. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to obey it? It does no good for, you, for your children to, to go out to their friends and say, I have no doubt that my father said to clean my room. My dad said it. I know he's my dad, and he said it. I have no doubt he said it. He said, clean your room. No doubt. But then you don't clean your room. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's not important that we... It's important we believe this is the Word of God, but are we doing it? Are we doing what we read? Now, very quickly, some quick proofs that the Bible is God's revelation... The word revelation defined is this. It is the act of God by which He communicates to man truth not known before and incapable of being discovered by man's unaided mind. I mean, what would we know really about God other than what is revealed to us through the Bible? Think about some of the things you believe spiritually that you would really have no clue about if God didn't say something in His Bible. I mean, be honest. What would you really know about angels? I've never seen an angel. I believe I've seen them at work in my life because of what I've read in the Bible. I like that passage in Hebrews, actually it's in chapter 1, where it talks about uh, angels are ministering spirits to those that shall believe. And so I think I can look back on my life and, and because I was going to be a, a saved, I believe I can see God's angels had to be present to protect me in my life and bring me to where I was at. I know that because of what I read in the, the Word of God, not because I've seen the angel. Okay, but because of what I see in the Word of God. There are so much, many things we would not know uh, apart from the Word of God. I mean, the Bible has so much to give us. It is different from the writings of men. And, you know, when, when men write books about themselves, that's pretty flattering, usually, right? How flattering is the Bible of men? I mean, all of these men wrote the Bible, but it's not too flattering. I mean... Jonah should have wrote another chapter, you know. It does not end so well for him. I mean, the Bible is not flattering concerning mankind. The Bible reveals God, and it reveals who man is as well. It's different from the writings of men. It has power and charm, attraction, life-giving nature, as we mentioned. And the revelation of things that man left alone he could never discover, uh, as we mentioned in regard to angels. Uh, listen, man thinks he knows what happened in regard to creation, but he can't prove that at all, can he? But I can know what actually happened because of what God's Word says. And if it wasn't for the Bible, I wouldn't know that. I mean, think about that. I believe in creation. I believe in creation. I believe in a six-day creation. I'm confident of that. I'm sure of that. I'm 100% certain of that. Why? The Bible says so. That's it. There, there's nothing for me to, to lay hold of to, to, to prove that. 
But I know that because of the Bible. I would not have known that apart from that. There's so many revealed truths that we simply cannot know or understand at all apart from the Bible. The marvelous unity of the Bible is amazing. As we have all these different authors of the Word of God, and yet it's as a unit, a continuous flow regarding what it teaches, regarding man and God and salvation, the law of God and all the doctrines of the Scripture. And you can compare Scripture with Scripture and see the infallible, concise nature of them. And when you come to that understanding and realize that, well, you, you think that something doesn't agree, listen, stay a little longer, and you'll find out that the Bible wasn't wrong, the Bible didn't contradict, you were wrong. <laughs> and you figure that those things out. The accuracy of the Bible in scientific matters proves there's not human origin. It's amazing what man discovers sometimes, what was already revealed and made known through the Scriptures. That's really kind of fun to look back on when you look at some of the things that science has discovered and realize that those truths were in the Bible already. Uh, the Bible teaches the roundness of the earth in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 22. The Bible teaches that. It took man a good while to really have that confirmed. He, he kind of had to figure that out for himself, didn't he? He had to make a long trip <laughs> when the Bible taught it all alone. Gravity is taught in Job 26, 7. The nature of the heavens as an expanse or firmament is in Genesis 1, 7 through 8. The rotation of the earth is taught in the Word of God in Luke 17. The law of evaporation is taught in Ecclesiastes 1, 7. The existence of trade winds, Ecclesiastes 1, 6. The importance of blood in the body. So we all know that. We know now. We had to experiment a little bit and drain some people of some blood to figure out they needed to keep it. You know, we used to do that, right? That was, that was a medical procedure. People were real sick. Well, well we got to get the blood out of them. Well, they should, somebody should have read the Bible. There's life in the blood. You just can't just take all the blood out of somebody. I mean, somebody, you know. I mean, the, the Bible teaches these things. The unity of the human race. Science. Science, so-called, falsely called, teaches evolution and teaches different races. The Bible, the Bible teaches one race, the human race. We brought so many problems upon ourselves as a culture and a society because we simply do not believe this is God's Word. We can go on about fulfilled prophecies, and we'll get into more of that as we sprinkle some messages of eschatology in throughout this series. But fulfilled prophecies, witnesses to the fact that the Bible came from God. And, you know, you had the Old Testament written for hundreds of years there, and there was no word from God. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And He fulfills all of these Old Testament prophecies regarding Himself. His birth in Bethlehem, His triumphal entry into Jerusalem, His betrayal, the scattering of His disciples, the parting of His garments, His bones not being broken, His piercing, His death with thieves, and burial in Joseph's tomb. All of those prophecies were predicted hundreds of years beforehand before Jesus Christ showed up on the scene and fulfilled them, proving that the Word of God is of divine origin and proving that He Himself is God. 
And we can go on and on regarding the prophecies concerning the nation of Israel itself. And there's still bits and pieces of there that sometimes you look at and go, Aha! It's still happening. God is still working in Israel. These things are still going on. And all the prophecies concerning uh, the coming Antichrist, we see things happening. And the stage is being set for the world to receive the Antichrist right now as we speak. Folks, all of those things we see happening... And we can go to the Word of God and say, look at that. The Bible said this 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. And look at what's happening for this to take place. All of that bears testimony that this is the Word of God. Years ago, they never would have figured out how, how the world would have seen the two witnesses that die and rise again. And the whole world see that when it takes place. Hello, it's going to be on your phone. There's so much in there. We see the stage being set with, with one world government and one world money that the Bible talks about. That is setting the stage for the reception of the world to the Antichrist. That's prophecy being fulfilled, being, being declared in the Word of God and coming true before our very eyes. It gives testimony that this is the Word of God. Now, we might ask, well, why is really all of this relevant for us today? Well, hopefully you can already see, see that, but it's relevant for, for other reasons than what we've already stated. But it does cause us to ask a question it, this morning. Is the Bible then sufficient and final as God's revelation to us? In other words, is this book enough? It is enough. The Bible is God's final revelation to man. Now, I believe... When God shows up, and He's going to show us so much about this Word that we missed. I think there's going to be so much more we're going to see as well. But God's going to show that to us in time. But everything right now in this world, in this life, that God is choosing to reveal to us about Himself is revealed from the Bible. It is sufficient for us as God's people today. And you are treading down a very precarious and dangerous path when you don't treat the Bible that way and you seek after visions and revelations of God apart from what is written about visions of God in the Bible. You're treading down a dangerous path whenever the Word of God is not enough and you need another man to tell you his visions. You need another man to tell you his dreams. And what God has spoken specifically to him about himself. And he says, God has said to me. And you open up the Bible and you say, where? The Word of God is not enough for some people. They seek after religion and religious experiences and religious highs. You've got to be careful of those things. Who's the authority there? Listen. There's been some real nutcases, hasn't there? I mean, of people who proclaim to be Christians and God has spoken to them and lead a whole group of people to commit suicide. <laughs> Why? Because they were certain that God was speaking directly to that man something that was not in the Bible. You've got to be careful of those things. So do we understand the implication of believing God's Word, the Bible, is His final word. 
If you understand this, and this helps you to ward off so many possible heresies, so many possible things that can come at us and doctrines and teachings it will protect you from. Just believing that this Bible is God's final word will protect you from much heresy that comes from the Catholic Church. Because what do they believe? That God is revealing new word through the Pope. So you see how that protects you from that. So when the Pope says one thing and the Bible says another, you can say, oh, the Pope is wrong. (laughs) And so understanding this goes, goes totally contrary to Catholic tradition that claims new revelation from God even when it goes against Scripture. So you mean, you mean Catholic tradition and some of the things the Pope says actually goes against the Bible? Yes. Yes. I like this quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said this. He said, We must never separate the Spirit and the Word. The Spirit speaks to us through the Word, so we should always doubt and query any supposed revelation that is not entirely consistent with the Word of God. Indeed, the essence of wisdom is to reject altogether the term of revelation as far as we are concerned and speak only of illumination. The revelation has been given once and for all, and what we need and what by the grace of God we can have and do have is illumination by the Spirit to understand the Word. So you understand what he's saying? He's saying, we're not looking for a new revelation from God, a new word from God. He says what we need to be praying is for illumination, for the light to shine on the present word of God that we have so we can understand God better through His word. That's illumination. Our eyes being opened to what is already known and revealed to us through the word. I don't look for new revelation of God. I haven't got all this figured out first. (laughs) Is some of this making sense to you? This helps us, folks, and it can help a lot of people in regards to some of the things that they believe. And so understanding this, it protects us from claims of some people out there among Christianity that talks about God revealing new things to them. Maybe they just need to change their language. Because let me tell you what, God <laughs> reveals new things to me, but it's the things that are already written. <laughs> I don't know it all yet, right? But when people talk about God revealing things to them about Himself that aren't found in the Word, that's what we must always question. 2 Peter 1.20 said this, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. You finally learn something new, you know, from the Bible, and you realize people already knew it. Uh, Open to Galatians chapter 1, if you would. Galatians chapter 1. Skip over a little bit here. I love what uh, Paul says here to the church of Galatia. He says this in verse 8 of Galatians 1. He says, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, 
preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's pretty strong, isn't it? As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. And I'm just going to say this, what you will find so often when you find a group of people that, are, that, 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 that fly underneath the banner of Christianity and talk about a lot of revelations from God that He's given, these dreams and visions, something else you're going to find in most of those places, what I've seen, okay, is you're going to find out that they're also off on the gospel of Jesus Christ itself. Listen, <laughs> and that ought to tell you a whole lot. And we shouldn't change where we stand on that. Anything that goes contrary to the Scriptures is not of God. And God didn't speak in some special vision or word of knowledge, something that goes contrary to this word of knowledge. Now again, listen, I'm not getting into this, but God gives personal leadership to us all the time and the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. He can speak very directly to us through the Bible, can He? Absolutely. You open up the Bible, you're praying, you're seeking God. It's a personal word and we're praying about stuff and God just really speaks to you, you know, and, and all of that. And you sense the leadership of the Spirit and you see things out there and you're like, you know this is what God wants you to do. I get that. God does that, okay? So that's not what I'm talking about. We must be very careful about any who proclaim an extra re revelation of God apart from the Word of God. In Revelation 22, there's a, there's a strong warning here at the end of the book that we have in our hand, and it says this, For I testify to everyone, verse 18, Revelation 22, 18, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. It's serious to get away from the book. So, preacher, I don't understand all that talks about the book of life. There's some debate about that, okay? I'm not going to get into that this morning, but can you at least not agree with me that that's a pretty serious statement? And how does that happen? Happens when you come to a place to say, this isn't all there is about God. We need more. And we add to it. So it's not just taking away from what it says. Don't add to what it says. We've got to be careful about that. It brings up a lot of questions. Some things that we need to be willing to search ourselves over. Sources of entertainment that are Christian entertainment. That seek to reveal to us certain, about the, certain things about the nature of God that's not revealed in the Word. We must be careful. As if you want to hear from God, you want to know more about God, don't wait for someone to have a vision. Don't wait for the next movie series to come out. Open up the Word of God and see that it will breathe life into your soul and reveal the mind and will of God for your life. John MacArthur wisely said this. He said, Once a congregation sees Scripture as less than the final, complete, 
infallible authority for faith and practice. It has opened the doors to theological chaos. Anyone can claim to be speaking God's revelation. And almost anything can be passed off as divinely revealed truth. Folks, because if, if, if God's still doing all that the same way, it opens the door for everything. We've got to be careful. I believe this is God's revealed word for us today. And it's complete and entire and reveals everything God wants us to know about who He is, about His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the final word, and everything about Him is written in this word. I like this saying. I don't know where it came from, but as we close, think about this. The Bible is unrivaled in its authorship, unmatched in its indestructibility, unsparing in its description of man, unrelenting in its condemnation of sin, unparalleled in its righteous standards, unreserved in its adoration of God, unsurpassed in its authority, unequaled in its unity, unlimited in its depth, unsullied by time, unscathed by inspection, unmistakable in its uniqueness. And why? Because it's God's Word. So ask yourself that question again that we asked last week. Do you believe in God? Now, do you believe God? Do I believe God? Well, do you believe this book? Because this is from God. There's only one true and living God, and there's only one Word. It's not the Mormon Bible. It's not the Jehovah Witness Bible. It is this one. Folks, it's very simple. But we can't depart from that this is God's inspired, revealed Word. I'm staking my whole entire eternity upon it. Father, help us, Lord, to have faith in your word. I'm so thankful that it is quick, it is alive. It teaches us, it corrects us, it trains us, it shows us you. It reveals to us who you are. It reveals to us who we are. It reveals your will for us. It reveals what you want us to do. And most importantly, above all things, it reveals to us who your son Jesus Christ is. Maybe there's some sitting here today and they've been praying, they've been looking, they've been searching, they've been saying, Lord, show me who you are. Father, help them to see that you speak of who you are in the written word of God. You've made yourself known through the person of your son. And it's written right here on pages for us to pick up and to hold close to our face and, and to open it up and, and to feel literally the breath of God, knowing that you're very present in your word. Help them to see that and speak to their heart and breathe life into their soul. I pray for any that are lost today that they would leave here with a determination to open up the Word of God and to seek God until you make yourself known unto them. And Father, help us to realize as your people that we have the living Word of God and to go out into this world and to proclaim it to a world that is dead in sin. It's its only hope. Help us to proclaim it. In Jesus' name, and amen. Let's all stand, please, as we sing.